three years old? Five? Or do you think it's five? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa la aqibatu lil mutaqeen wa la idwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'alta wa sahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'da sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alright folks. So alhamdulillah, it's that great time, great time of the year when the class starts and then we are free of the uncles. We are free of them. Off with you. All that represent the age group. Oh, Zafar. Oh, sorry, Sayyid, are you part of the, you've got to make a decision. You're either one of us, you're either with us or you're with them. George Bush is in the news recently, so. No, no, he's all right. He's my friend, that's okay. He gets an exception. But the rest of you got to make a decision. You're either with the cool cats or you're with... I don't know. Anyway, the great thing about this time is that there's no pressure anymore. We don't need to worry about it anymore. There's so many benefits actually. Afterwards we can relax and chill. But without doubt, the single greatest benefit of having the dust after Isha is that we can eat right at the beginning. That's the great thing. No, no, no. At the beginning or at the end? At the end. Sorry, at the end, at the end, at the end. At the end, at the end. Not the beginning, at the end. And that's why the people online like it as well, because they don't get disturbed, because they get really upset when they see us eating. I don't know why. Yeah? But it's important for them, just in case if they leave early, you need to know what is going to be eaten later on, isn't it? Yeah? Alhamdulillah. Did any of you Thai packages bring any sweets back? No. Okay. Yeah, hey, Jerusalem sweets. I thought that you'd take one for the team and bring it back. Anyway, I just want to say that I took one for the team, yeah? Every kilo was counted. So I got my kilo, right? This is the LP kilo. This is shared in spirit of those online, yeah? So that they don't hate. And for the rest of you, and in here, then just make your choice. They are absolutely stonking, these sweets are. Bismillah, mashaAllah. Did anyone find any chocolate twirls, by the way? Orange. Everywhere, yeah? Yeah, it's okay. Don't blame me. Huh? You told me? Just listen to this guy. I'm going to repeat this conversation. She's either saying, I told you, I told you where. Tell us what you t- told me, uh, Shaz. Yeah, I told you where they were. <laughs> okay, tell me what you told me that they were. Petrol station. Petrol station. Which parent buys chocolate from petrol station? Shaz, tell me how much. A pound a pop. Who buys a chocolate bar, which is 30-40p chocolate bar for a pound? Other than Shazad Salim. You know that people say, I pick on Shazad Salim, you know, uh, unfairly, whatever, whatnot. Mm. Now you understand it's all justified. This is a guy who's not on our level. He doesn't eat, drink, dress on our level. He's that guy that buys his chocolate from petrol station. I've never and will never purchase chocolate from a petrol station. Just by principle. Even if I'm dying for chocolate, I won't buy it from a petrol station. No, no, don't try to blag it like oh, it's one of those any convenience stroke and a petrol. It's a petrol station, bro. The proof so is is that it's a quid. I don't care if it's a bro. If it was anything other than a petrol station, it wouldn't be charging you a quid for a chocolate bar. Hands up, anybody? Why are we not all in agreement on this point? I'm all right. I don't think you're in the mood for sweets. 
Oh well, never mind. So then you want Mr. Chocolate Orange Brownies that have been uh, made for us here as well, alhamdulillah. And these tissues that have been used for individual servings are just going to have to be used for individual repeated servings to myself. Right. So that's fine as well. If you guys want to be all miserable on the, on the side of the losers, like Shazad Salim, then stay on that side. Right. So alhamdulillah, we had a great trip to Al-Aqsa last week. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And we even had a lesson there as well. Alhamdulillah, we did it outside as well. And I checked the recording, it wasn't that bad. Although that light at the behind the head was super mega irritating. Yeah, and that didn't go down well. We need to like rethink that one. But other than the light, it was alright. And it was nice and short and sweet and everything. And that's the danger of the post-Isha lessons is that they can drag on if I'm not kept under control. So let's make sure that our discipline is there and that I don't start talking about how much we hate Liverpool and their supporters. And... Um, <laughs> Monty, yeah, I think Monty, I think, you know, it's, he just sends me the most utter dross every single day. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to, I realized that I was cussing my United fans because their only semblance of joy left in this miserable world is basically, you know, saying that Liverpool haven't won the title, haven't won the title. Yeah, and that's the best thing is then to get excited by the, the deficiency of others. Then I realized now why my United fans do that. It's because the Liverpool fans are so flipping petty. Every single day, who's at the wheel? Yeah, your dad's at the wheel. We're so happy. And lollies this, and we're all going to die. And, you know, all this nonsense. And to be honest, I've become numb. I've become numb to the extent that I even considered becoming a local fan myself. Oh, wow. oh yeah. To just drop, yani, drop those, uh, the, jump the sinking ship. Right, folks. Bismillah. We are going to start, okay, at the uh, the exact part, part that we uh, stopped at was uh, we went into detail just talking about how do we understand from hadith when is a dua or dhikr meant to be done in the salah at the end or when can the end mean after the salah this word dubur in Arabic it refers to the backside the behind the tail the end the after all of this is part of parcel of the word definition. So how is it that when a hadith is stated that the Prophet Sallallahu used to say something, you know, X, Y, Z at the dubur of the salah, how do we determine whether that's the end part of the prayer before you make this taslim or after the taslim? And basically after a long discussion, we identified a couple of factors. Number one, that anything which is a form of dhikr, then that goes after the salah. And that anything which is a dua, a request from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a dua, which even though in a, from a category form is a form of dhikr, every dua is a form of dhikr, okay? Because dhikr is anything which is said wanting reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Arabic language in a form which is ibadah. Remember that uh, uh, dhikr is very, very broad, very general. So dua is a form of dhikr. But dua is a specific form of dhikr and that should be restricted to before taslim. After the tashahud, at-tahiyyatulillah, after Durood Sharif, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, before Taslim, Taslim is Aslam alaikum wa rahmatullah, in that final period, that is the part of where you make dua. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, then let him make dua for whatever he wishes, whatever dua he wishes. And so our author, bring up the uh, text, Lala. Uh, we are on 200, the bottom of 203 of Sharh al Mumti, And in this uh, uh, text, we are reading. Um, uh, we are reading just the fourth, fourth from the bottom highlighted and so he then 
So he makes dua with that which is narrated and then he gives salam to his right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. We might get that. We might get to there today. So the point is, is that dua is part of the prayer and every dhikr is after the prayer. Every dhikr is after the prayer. So then we stopped at a point where Shaykh Uthaymeen, he says, So he identifies a specific, a specific situation. I've been thinking about this. I don't think that this is specific to the packs, but maybe to the Arabs, I don't know. Um, the one thing that we know that is specific actually to the general laity, basic Muslims, is this insistence on making dua after salah. Dua after salah. And I mean formally now. So, you know, uh, lift the hands and then get into the zone and then whatever you've been told, uh, you know, uh, oh Allah, forgive me, forgive my mom, my dad, forgive my teachers, forgive my, you know, this, this, uh, uh, whatever. Now, question, do the packs do this after nafal prayer? After sunnah prayer? After every prayer? No, it's not. After fard. It's only very rare would you see some, the pack kind of community, meaning Bengalis, Asians, you know, Indians, whatever, do it after sunnah and nafal prayer. Agreed? This, I think, is a more Arab thing. And even amongst the Arabs, it's, uh, it's uh, rare. Even amongst the Arabs, it's rare. To find them. The awam I'm talking about. I'm not talking about scholars or students of knowledge. Okay? But making dua after the nafal is something more common in them, in their awam, in their laity, than it is in the pak laity. With the pak laity, it's an absolute insistence to make it after the fard prayer. Okay, so let's discuss this point uh, in principle. Um, the truth is that what Sheikh Uthameen says, and I'm going to literally translate what he says, and then you then start applying it. He goes, the only remaining matter that we have about dua and the end of the prayer and before the prayer and everything, and we've already stated that dua should be done before you say salam and that afterwards is dhikr, it's not really dua. The only thing that remaining that we need to deal with are those people who insist on making dua even after the nafal, nafal prayer or sunnah prayer. And they are so strict on that that even sometimes the prayer is being established, meaning the iqamah is going off for the fard prayer. So they're already in the masjid and they're making dua. Okay, and, and he finishes his, so, uh, you know, again, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu Allah, Ilaha Ilaha Allah, and then Imam will say, the, 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 the person who's praying nafil prayer, he will give salam, so now he should stand up, isn't it? And before he stands up, he lifts his hands to quickly make the dua, because, got to complete the prayer, for him in his mind, or her in her mind, the dua is so essential as part of the prayer process that if it's not done there and then, then I can't even be free to stand up to pray the obligatory prayer. Meaning that the, the, the dua is seen as an essential part of the prayer. Even though it's done after the, you know, just like the niyyah. Just like you see people, yani, they stand, and we know the niyyah is a condition, we covered all of that. But they believe that it's so important to say as well, to actually read out. So you'll see them, the awam, the laity. They'll stand in position, and they'll even have their hands, you know, on the way up, and they're saying it, and they're kind of, you know, you can see them articulating it. I'm standing here like this, and I'm praying with four rakah, in front of the Kaaba. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, they see it as essential, and so it has to be done in that way, in that manner. If it doesn't, and that's why when you say to them, hey, you don't need to do a verbal niya, they're like in a state of complete, you know, breakdown, mental breakdown, like, oh my God, how is that possibly a prayer if I don't even say that? Likewise, if you were to say, right, get up and don't make the dua, 
is something which is very, very difficult for them because they see it as part and parcel of the prayer. And he goes, um, and then he goes, you see them, they'll, they'll, they'll wipe their face and they'll stand up and then they'll pray. They are sticking to that so much at the top of page 204, so much that they consider it to be wajib, obligatory, or something super close to that. And there is absolutely no doubt that this is baseless. This is a baseless action. Okay? And it's very important for the students of knowledge to remind this to the people. Gently, because pe- that which people are, are very much used to and become a habit, they find it very difficult to leave and they get very emotionally attached to it. So people have to be very careful in how you uh, advise them. Lakin, um, you'll find that most of the people that are involved in this, they are asking about the issue of is it allowed to raise the hands in dua? And he, the, the issue is nothing to do about the raising of the hands of, uh, in dua. It's about whether dua should be made repeatedly in this place. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, it's alright. Not as good as Jerusalem sweets though. So, yeah, so he's yeah, and making the point that if only people understand, بَلَ الْحُكَمْ مُعَلَّقْ بِالدُّعَى سِوَاءَ رَفَعَةَ أَمْ لَمْ تَرْفَعَ Okay, he goes, the issue is not about the hands and whether a person is allowed to raise their hands or whether they should say ameen or whether they wipe their face. All of this has yani, some space. We can talk about that. We have hadith that talk about the raising of the hands. We have hadith which talk even about, although they're weak-ish, but they're not super weak, even the wiping of the face, which is a big controversy. People think it's not allowed you know, to wipe the face. Even we have some hadith that can be argued to be hasan that would allow this act. The problem is not that act. The problem is the belief that the prayer is not complete unless you make du'a after it. And that is baseless. That is very important for us to correct. Correct in ourselves and others. Now, here's the interesting thing. That normally, you only see this, as I said, amongst the laity. And a lot of people think that this is just a Hanafi thing or a pack thing. That the rest of the world doesn't do it. But in actual fact, even the Arab communities, they do it. Even those that consider themselves to be Shafi'i, they also do it. But much less. Much less, definitely. And even amongst the pack kind of scholars, you have many scholars that have, you know, uh, had the guts because, again, it takes guts to say this because they are very emotionally attached to this, to say this is a bid'ah. People who, who do this all the time, especially in congregation. Okay? Actually, the fatwa that uh, Sheikh Muhammad, uh, uh, and, uh, Sheikh Takil Uthmani, Hafidhullah, the fatwa that he passed was specific to the congregational version. When the, everybody's waiting... And they feel that the whole thing is incomplete until the imam turns around and then he lifts his hand to the extent that now they don't even care whether he says something out loud or not. So, you know, ideally, he would say dua and everyone say ameen, right? And now it's a case of, all right, you know what? If that's too much for you, then don't even say anything. But at least lift your hands up so we can then lift our hands and we say something and you say something. And then when you then end, then we'll end as well. Mentally, the problem's the same. It's not about what's being said, not being said, whether you're saying amin with him or not, whether you're raising your hands or not. It's the belief that this prayer process is not complete until you say amin. And the proof of this is, 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 is all over the place. People have seen it. But I myself have seen it firsthand, where a person will lead a prayer, and they will, you know, and I will get up, or I won't say anything, or whatever. And you will get a real complaint and a real emotional response of anger that you did not complete the prayer. You did not lead the prayer properly. You did not make dua, which is the absolute proof of what a bid'ah this is and how horrible a bid'ah it is. Like if you want to define bid'ah, um, 
it's not just as simple as saying it's every new act in the religion that has no basis from before, but one does it with the intention of worship. Even that, yani, you can put a couple of you know, acts in there and understand it. But it's when you start to be emotionally affected and believe that your act is not valid without that, that's when you really recognize this, the, the stench and the, 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 the evil of why this is bid'ah. Because you are genuinely now legislating in the place of Allah. Like genuine, straight up. That's what it is. So anyway, um, so that's a point that we need to understand. It is something which is legitimate to make du'a. It's allowed for you to make it after the prayer. In actual fact, in principle, it's a good idea as well. Why? We always said that when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something, it's like anything. Before you ask a favor, you go with a smiling face. You don't go up to a friend and say, you know, swear at him, cuss him, and miserable, and then say, now lend me your X, Y, Z. You would go, salam nice, you know, whatever, and be happy. And likewise, when you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we put forward something. And that forward is, It's you that we worship, take our worship, Ya Allah. Now help us. It's you alone that we ask for isti'ana is the seeking of la'aun. Support, help, dua. So, they said, many of the Salaf said that there's hardly any act that comes close to the Salah itself. So once you've prayed, you've given to Allah the very best of ibadah, now ask Allah for what you want. So from that point of view, it's fine. The problem is, is when you think that it's part of the prayer and it must be done and it should be done. In actual fact, you'll find hardly ever, hardly ever did the Prophet ﷺ make dua after the Salah, let alone in congregation. Literally ones and twos in a whole lifetime of prayer and congregations. So think about that. So in conclusion, we can say that the dua should be that which is done in the prayer. It should be done before the taslim and it's dhikr afterwards. And this practice of congregational or individual dua after the prayer all the time is something which is rejected. Here and there, it is allowed. Informal, here and there, when a person feels it. then And also, when it's done according to a more sunnah approach where it's done when you feel it or you need it, then it's not the prayer which yani, everyone's looking at there. Now, you see, if you ever want to see people who don't give a monkeys about their dua, look at that congregational dua in a masjid in which they pray congregational dua. Virtually everyone is bored out of their minds. They're all looking at their fingers and their hands and their whatever, and you know, biting nails and just yani, waiting because it's just become a ritualistic yani, a misnomer of... of of sincere worship. Whereas, look at the opposite, the sunnah. Meaning the imam turns around, you know, once a week or once on an odd occasion turns around and says, listen, we've had a situation and I think that we should make dua. Everybody's invested. Everybody's within the zone. They feel for that person. They say, ameen. You know, there's a big difference. You can feel the spirit of difference between sunnah and bid'ah. Then in the middle of 204, the sheikh then says, um, our author said, That he makes dua with that, by that which is narrated. He uses that which is narrated. So, um, you know the word, By anything that which has been narrated. That would indicate that any single dua that you know, that you know like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, um, let me think of a good one. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya which is a dua for opening the prayer, okay, and has been narrated there. The Sheikh saying, uh, Sheikh Uthameen is saying that the way that the author has said this statement, it indicates that you recite here any dua, any dua which is narrated authentically. 
He said that, is this the case? Yani, that, is that what this time, this place now, before Taslim, is it for every single dua? And Shaykh Uthameen says, no. Actually, the intention behind the author and the intention behind the sunnah is that this is a place for every dua that has been narrated in this position. So this is the place where you bring dua that have been narrated for before taslim. So for example, we are doing the one that uh, I, I collected some from here. Um, I'm going to read them to you and you can also match with yourself. And what, uh, you know, for those folks that are finding this difficult to follow, then uh, Mesa, when she does the uh, transcribed notes, she will have all of the Arabic and the translations for this in the transcribed notes in, in by the end of the week or uh, next week. Um, so, for example, the one that we are covering right now, the Prophet ﷺ said that you say, "Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adab al-qabri wa min adab al-jahannam wa min fitna al-mahya wal-mamad wa min sharr fitna al-masih al-dajjal." That's the hadith that we've been covering right now. That's the du'a, the asal. It's the base du'a, the base go-to du'a. Translation, O Allah, I seek refuge with you from the punishment of the grave, from the punishment of the fire, from the fitna, uh, uh, from the fitna of life and from death, and from the evil fitna of the false messiah. This is the hadith of Abu Huraira, narrated in Bukhari, um, uh, 832. Okay? Then we have another hadith. Allahumma, this is very close. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adhab al-qabari wa a'udhu bika min fitnat al-masih al-dajjal. So we just change in order. Wa a'udhu bika min fitnat al-mahya wal-mamad. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ma'tham wal-maghram. So everything is the same. Little change in order. The, the addition at the end. That, oh Allah, I, I seek refuge with you. Min al-ma'tham wal-maghram. Ma'tham means ithm, meaning sin. And maghram means debt. So Allah seek refuge with you from, from sin, the, the, the mindset of sin, the consequences of sin. I seek refuge, you, uh, refuge with you from that. And falling into debt and the consequences of debt. When you seek refuge of Allah, the great thing about that is that you seek complete protection of everything associated with that issue. So it's not just falling into debt. Yani it means the scenarios that lead up to you falling into debt. I.e. that means bless my wealth so I don't need to go into debt. Then the debt itself meaning the embarrassment and humiliation of asking people, because asking people is dishonorable. And then the consequence of what happens in being in debt. You have to change your lifestyle. You have to make any decisions. So there's a lot of things associated with debt, right? So uh, uh, that's the uh, hadith which is narrated again in Bukhari, hadith number uh, 832. That's narrated on the authority of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And then we have the main one. I think we mentioned this uh, as well. Allahumma inni dhulamtu nafsi dhulman kathira. وَلَا يَغْفِرَ الذُّنُوبِ إِلَّا أَنْتِ فَأَغْفِرْ لِمَا غْفِرَةً مِنْ عِنْدِكَ وَرَحَمْنِي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ لَغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Oh Allah, uh, I have wronged my soul, my soul uh, in, a, uh, 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 in a huge way. I've wronged myself in a huge way. And no one forgives the sins except you, Ya Allah. So forgive me or grant me your forgiveness and have mercy on me. And indeed you are the all-forgiving, the all-merciful. This is a hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, and this is narrated by Bukhari as well, 7,387. These are all dua that you should know, and that you should use all, or use some, or alternate between. This is the point that the author is making. means that you narrate, you use those duas which have been narrated specifically for this place, to be used in this part of the salah. The other one, 
اللهم اغفر لي اللهم اغفر لي ما قدمت وما اخرت وما اسررت وما اعلنت وما اسرفت وما انت اعلم به مني انت المقدم وانت المؤخر لا اله الا انت uh, this hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim hadith number 771 oh allah forgive me the sins that i have put forth وما اخرت and the uh, ibadah that i have delayed this is my interpretation of this, okay? There are differences on how it's understood. Literally translated, by the way, Oh Allah, forgive me for that which has gone forth, that which has gone forth, and that which has been delayed. Okay? The only way that I can read this is, Oh Allah, forgive me for the sins that I have put forth, and forgive me for the ibadah that has been delayed, uh, that which I have concealed from sin, that which I have done openly from sin, that which I have gone to excess in. وَمَا أَسْرَفْتِ israf. And that, وَمَا أَنْتَ أَعْلَمُ بِهِ مِنِّي And that which I don't even know about, but you certainly know about. أَنْتَ الْمُقَدِّمْ You are the one who brings forth, and you are the one who holds back. وَلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ And there is nothing worthy of worship except you. That's a very powerful dua, subhanAllah. Another dua, the one that we all know. اللَّهُمَّ أَعِنِّي عَلَى ذِكْرِكَ وَشُكْرِكَ وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ Oh Allah, support me and help me to remember you, to thank you, and to perfect my worship of you. This is super, super powerful dua. One of my favorite dua. I use this all the time. Any chance I can get, I use this. Now, here we're talking about that very point. This is actually narrated. This is probably the most controversial of all of the dua that we're talking about in terms of where does it go. Half the scholars say it's the end of the prayer. Half of them say it's part of your dhikr after it. So after you say subhanAllah, 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 you then you say, Allahumma a'ina la dhikrika wa shukrika. You say it right now, basically. So... Um, We've already cleared up that debate last week. This is a dua. The dua goes before. And then afterwards, it's your dhikr and your focus on remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your chill kind of moment. Your kind of relaxing kind of moment. So uh, this is a dua that, that is also from this uh, genus or this area. Okay, this type. Another one. Also a very famous one that many of you will know. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-bukhl. Wa a'udhu bika min al-jubn. Wa a'udhu bika min an uradda ila al-ard lil-umar. So this is translated roughly. I'm doing this off the cuff. I, I make sure that for the... Uh, Mesa, I'm sure, will do a great job. She'll put, piece it together. But, oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from stinginess, miserliness, bukhl. Bakhil means yani, type, yani, uh, uh, type behavior. From uh, cowardice. This is important, by the way. You know, uh, these two things are always linked. Cowards are always tight. Cowards are always tight. And tight people who are afraid to give from that which Allah has given them are also cowards in real life in challenging the scenarios that Allah puts in front of them. Right? And that's why whenever you see, yani, from the praiseworthy characteristics, you know when you come across tribal people, what do you always say? They're very generous, right? But what's always linked to their generosity? They are always very brave. That's their, their you know, when you think of the Arabs of old, you know, they come and they open up their whole house and everything and they make you feel like a king. But they're the ones who are also, you know, carrying swords and going out to fight. It's because they are, and it's not just some fantasy. This is the genuine, the genuine connection. Tribal people, those that are seen as the most yani, generous, are often the most brave. Fighting, defending, warring, that kind of people. They will be the ones that will form the front of any battle, never the behind. So, uh, likewise, the opposite. Those who are tight are cowards. So, um, honor 
and generosity or strength and bravery and generosity are linked and so are cowardice and tightness. And this is the killer. And I seek refuge with you from being returned to Ardal means the lowest possible thing, the base thing, despicable even, yani if you're getting really into it. But basically it means the lowest. The lowest of your age means basically becoming useless. Basically senility. Yeah? This is referring to see, uh, becoming senile, to becoming, you know, I think we talked about this before. You know, this, uh, uh, when your parents are mega uh, angry, they say to you, Oh Allah, don't make me muhtaj upon you, isn't it? Yeah? That's, you know, when things got serious. You know that when, they, when they're really angry, that's the line which comes out. And it's the, it is the true killer line. Because that's what everybody fears. That you become so useless that you now can't do things yourself and you become dependent upon others. It's, it's the absolute worst, worst, worst thing. It's the humiliation of all humiliation. I'll tell you something, by the way. Uh, I was having a discussion with a brother who's trying to open up a... Uh, well, he's opened it already and it's gonna, we're just you know, working on it as a project. And we need to find some big waqf funds to support it. But he's calling it Raha. This is good, actually. Nice name. And it's about, uh, it's about producing what the Jews have for their own community, which is uh, old people's homes, right? So, you know, basically in this country, it's part of the culture of this country to have old people's homes. And it's the opposite for our community. We don't believe in the concept of old, of, uh, old people's homes because we don't believe that there's any place for old people other than home. And that every sacrifice that's needed has to be done. The truth is that either people are not practicing enough to recognize that, or don't believe in that, or they are practicing but can't deal with it. Their parents now become not just old, they not just become senile, but they have mental problems. And mental problems, of course, is a specialist area. It's not just a case of having patience. I mean, that's just like an ignorant person speaking. You know, like a non-medic who will say, oh, no, sometimes you have a situation that requires specialist intervention, and it's a, it's a fitna, it's a real fitna. And... Um, and sometimes people even need to be sectioned in extreme uh, scenarios. Um, but if we have, so my major concern, obviously, with such a project, first of all, there's a, there's a, a report that's going to be released soon. We've been reviewing this report. It's been commissioned by the MCB, the Muslim mm -hmm. Council of Britain, to basically look into the current prevalence of the number of increase of Muslim inpatients in care homes. Now, when I used to serve care homes, back in the day when I used to work on uh, in a pharmacy where I used to do kind of, you know, setting up uh, uh, medications and stuff, yeah? It would be literally one in a thousand of a Muslim name, you know, in terms of preparing meds, right? And I reckon the doctors here, probably in terms of visits, very rare, back in the day, 20 years ago. Now it's got to be a massive increase, surely, yeah? Massive increase. And that's just natural increase. Um... And they really are not even that old yet. That's happening over the next 10, 15 years. The report is looking at what's going to happen in the next 10, 15 years in UK in terms of uh, age and so on. And we are going to find a massive increase in practicing Muslims and Muslim families or parents going to these old people's home in which they are completely unsuited for their religious requirements, uh, social requirements, everything. Uh, no, I mean, there's already some private enterprises already but what i mean is that those are private enterprises which are really at the moment restricted unless they've got council special funding 
Yeah, but I'm saying, are they private, like... Private, private. Yeah, private, private, yeah? So, the country is not going to be ready to fund that. I mean, there's already an argument what's going to happen about the whole burden of the care homes in the future for just the normal population, let alone Muslims. And the, 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 the need... There's a double need. First, the education of the Muslim community to, to prepare themselves mentally, space-wise in terms of their homes, that this is a challenge that you have to be ready for. This is your Islamic obligation. They looked after you when you were young. This is the deal. This is the social contract. You've got to look after them when they, are, when they need you. And it's going to be the toughest thing you will ever do. You will never, ever, ever, ever achieve anything more, more burdensome. Uh, and, and deal with it than the care of your parents in their old age. It, it won't get beaten, all right? And many people will give up. Many people won't even attempt it. Many people will try and give up. And that, that, so that's an education thing. That's our job, to tell the people their obligation. And it's a massive obligation. It's not a small one. It's from the key, key obligations. Birul Walidain is what we made our teeth on in Manchester in terms of teaching Al-Adab Al-Mufrad, the chapter of parents, all the rest of it. I can you know, speak about that until I die, right? It's something which is so obligatory that it's just untrue. That is the primary responsibility. And then, when in the genuine cases they can't handle it, now we have to have some kind of system to help uh, do it. So there's some big thinking Muslims out there that are looking forward and they are setting up the organizations to prepare for these homes, but they're going to need big funds, and it's got to be in a continuous basis. So they're looking for big waqf funds. And by that, I mean, you see, at the moment, if you look at, like, you know, everyone's looking at this all the time. I like the idea people think I'm worth one million. I can also, Yanni, sit on a chair and make myself increase in value. Don't worry, okay? I'm not cheap like that. But, you know, these kind of projects are all based upon, Yanni, you know, creative, clever ways of trying to motivate people to pay, you know, uh, for things when they happen. And that's not how a community survives or thrives. There's got to be funding in advance. You've got to be supporting institutions yani, in advance. And the only way that that happens is with funds and invested funds. And we're not even at that socioeconomic level to be having that much money. But soon we will be, not just because of our uh, uh, income that will be uh, as part of our community uh, uh, right now, but because many people will start to die right, in the Muslim community. We haven't had that moment come yet. It's still another 10, 15 years le left yet until the elderly are at the dying age. At that stage, the, the big difference, the big game changer is going to be that when people now start to do their wasiyah, they're leaving to charity of their 20, 30%, which is an obligation you have to do, okay? Well, according to some scholars, some said it's a sunnah, but yeah, I mean, most people will do that, okay? Where's all that money going to go? Where's all that money going to go? And the big charities like the Islamic Reliefs and the Muslim Aids, whatever, they've seen that. They jumped on that wagon ages ago. And so they've been in the last five years, ten years, they've been funding, you know, the will templates. And they would, you know, they'd fund it and they'd put it in mosques and online. And the idea behind it, the business model behind it or strategy behind it is that they then sponsor the, the printing and the spread of those. And then at the bottom, they offer themselves as an option of where that third or your 20% or your quarter can go. So it would go to the charity in either a direct straight form, cash donation, or as a waqf, meaning a sum of money which is allowed for them to invest and then live off the proceeds or use the proceeds to support the project. All right? And there's going to be a huge amount of money that's going to be uh, coming forward and there's got to be a system there to take it. At the moment, the Muslims have not even worked out how to take it, let alone Yani you know, collect it. 
how you're going to take it and use it and invest it. That's going to be the big growth area over the next 10, 15, 20 years. The investment of Muslim money, the managing of waqfs, and this massive flow of the normal masses having to put these money into their waqfs and educate them to do that. And one of the things that we need to then support is these kind of off left field ideas that we didn't think that should happen. Muslim care homes. The word itself is a paradox. The concept shouldn't be real, but it is real. There are people that can't deal with it, and there's going to be a massive need. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what they said in one of the great blessings, and I've been making this dua for ages, I mean, it's not a good dua because mum and dad get really freaked out, but Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam being taken at 63 is a blessing. Because being taken in 63 and not having to face yani, the ignominy of being old and needy and, uh, you know, uh, you know, all, uh, all, you know, everything, incontinent and God knows what. What a disaster, man. Yeah? And having to be cleaned by other people and looked after by other people. And you know what it is? Uh, uh, I've been teaching the Aqsa uh, group this point uh, uh, throughout last week. That is very important that when you learn and study something that you are critical against your teacher and you always filter what they're saying, right? So I want you also to filter what I'm saying. I am very nihilistic in my in my uh, thinking. You need to know that. If you can't spot it, if it's not clear, I don't believe, for example, in the obligation of medical treatment. I do, I'm a big fan of turning off life machines, life support machines, and I just, you need to know that, that that's all part of the package that you're getting with me. So don't Yanni, take my statements too seriously. But I have a consistent uh, message. That's my consistent message. I don't believe that people should be kept on in this dunya. I do believe in the concept of honor. I am not upset when a child dies. I get over the, I get over the grief of the emotional thing. But I'm so happy that they're saved from teens, from fitna, from the 20s, from the, all of the nonsense that's happening to our people. I'm thinking as a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I do believe that a person dying in their old age, saving the, the children, all of the headache and the hassle, is a blessing as well if that person died upon guidance and good deeds. And that's not the nicest thing that you can say, especially when people have lost someone. But that's, it is what it is. I guess as they say, you're only tested when it happens to your own. Then you know if you're genuine or not. But at least I can speak a good game at the moment when it's not there, isn't it? Yeah? Let's see in, in, in real time. But this is a very important point. That the Prophet ﷺ did not want to taste or see senility. Now, does that mean therefore that senility is a disaster or not? Does this indicate that we should, avoid, we should not be looking to prolong life? Someone like me will use that. Someone like you should be saying, hold on, that's going a bit too far. You get what I'm trying to say? So be aware to critically analyze where your teacher is making his arguments. I'm very comfortable. This helps me find I'm like, you know what it is? Just get out there and just get the job done. All right. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I seek refuge with you from the fitna of dunya and the fitna of Dhab al-Qabr. This hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari, hadith number 2822. Okay. Uh, what else do we have? Allahumma inni wa bika The shortest and the simplest. And, the, and, and also... Uh, uh, super authentic hadith narrated by Bukhari 1338 and Muslim 2870. Oh Allah, I ask you for Jannah and I seek refuge with you from the fire. Then we have another one. Okay, these are the main ones. All right, another three three left. Allahumma bi ilmi kil ghayb. 
وقدرتك على الخلق أحيني ما علمت الحياة خيرا لي وتوفني إذا علمت الوفاة خيرا لي اللهم إني أسألك خشيتك في الغيب والشهادة وأسألك كلمة الحق في الرضا والغضب وأسألك القصد في الغنى والفقر وأسألك نعيم لا ينفد وأسألك قرة عين لا تنقطع وأسألك الرضا بعد القضاء وأسألك برض العيش بعد الموت وأسألك لذة النظر إلى وجهك والشوق إلى لقائك في غير ضراء مضرة ولا فتنة مضلة اللهم زينا بزينة الإيمان وجعلنا هداة مهتدين So this is one of the longer dua Oh Allah with the knowledge with your knowledge of the unseen and with your power over all of creation give me let me live or give me life as long as you know that life is better for me that keep me alive if that's what's better for me and uh, take me back to you if that is if death is better for me i seek i ask you ya allah for the ability to fear you in the in private and in public i ask you ya allah that I am able to speak the word of truth whilst things are, whilst things are calm and whilst we're whilst, uh, angry, whilst, whilst everything is like normal and when the situation is not so normal. I ask you to make me al-qasda fi al-ghina wal-faqar, be... No, moderate. Moderate, okay, in the middle. Yani whether I um, got lots of money or whether I'm in poverty, but I just keep yani you know, just keep things yani you know as it, look to your jadar as they said yeah, is that what they say? How do they say that? Translation? Uh, Don't go beyond your jadar. Yeah. I never understood the meaning of that, by the way. Don't go beyond your jadar, Lala. Just you haven't got a clue, have you? <laughs> And you know, he's got to sleep, you know. Guy was knocked out. What does it mean? Janay, what does it mean? Don't cross the boundary. No, but what, why is it linked to Jadar? What's the Jadar connection? Yeah? No, I think it's to do with you putting Jadar on the floor and you lie down there. It needs to be at your side or something like that. It can't, it can't be... That it's got to be your chadar so that when you lay down on it, it's got to be your size. <laughs> Chief said, what do bajis know? I don't know, I've got no idea. But anyway, that, 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 that statement. Anyway, uh, unless we've got, cut your coat according to your cloth. You see, I don't mind that. How is there a person who's not got a name, by the way? Excellent, excellent. Put your name in. Yeah, and nameless people are never allowed to ask anything. How how are they allowed to? How can they register without a name? And the wakf is not is not there, by the way, nameless one. Yeah, the, the wakf is not there. I'm just saying that it's gonna it's gonna need setting up. Um, what's the rest of the du'a? Sorry. Uh, and I ask you for a blessing which will not run out, which is basically Jannah. And I ask you for qurrata aynin la tanqati' and for a happiness that will never go, that will never cease. And I ask you to make me happy after the decree when it's made. I am always happy with it. I'm always content with your decree. 
And I ask you for a coolness after death, i.e. relaxed nature, resting in peace. And I ask you for the delight of looking at your face, which is more than just looking at the face, okay? Which is, a, uh, which is an objective in the Quran and Sunnah, but more than that, which is to be delighted by it and a real desire to meet you without yani, any harm in any of this, without being led astray in any of this. Oh Allah, beautify us with the beauty of Iman and allow us to be from the rightly guided people. And then the other one, Allahumma inni, and that hadith is narrated uh, by Imam al-Nasai uh, and Imam Ahmed as well. Imam Ahmed, it is uh, not a hadith number, we only have volume 4, hadith number 364. Allahumma inni as'aluka, ya Allah, bi anna al-wahid al-ahad, الواحد الأحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد أن تغفر لي ذنوبي إنك أنت الغفور الرحيم أو الله I ask you يا الله because you are the one the unique the self-sufficient الصمد the one who is not begotten and the one who does not beget and does not have any partner unto like him that you forgive me my sin because indeed you are the forgiving the merciful حديث narrated by Imam Nasai and again Imam Ahmed as well uh, chapter four Hadith number 238. And then the last final uh, two that are used, at least here. And I don't think there's any... Well, I'll, I'll mention one or two others as well. Allahumma inni as'aluka bi'anna laka alhamd, la ilaha illa ant, wahdaka la sharika lak, al-mannanu ya badi'a al-samawati wal-ard, ya dal-jalal wal-ikram, ya hayu ya qayyum, inni as'aluka al-jannah, wa'a'udhu bika minan-nar. This is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu. He said that, oh Allah, I ask you, by virtue that all praise is to you alone. There is nothing worthy of worship except you. You are unique. You have no partner. You are the giver of all that which is good. Al-Mannan, oh the originator of the Samawat al-Wal-Ard, oh the owner of all honor and majesty, oh ever-living, ya Qayyum, that which everything is established by, I ask you for Al-Jannah and I seek refuge with you from the fire. This hadith is narrated by the Imams of the Sunan uh, and specifically by Ibn Majah 3758. All these hadith are sahih. And the last one, Allahumma inni Oh Allah, I ask you by virtue of the fact that I bear witness that you alone are Allah. And that there is nothing worthy of worship except you. You are the one, the unique and the self-sufficient. The one who is not begotten, the one who does not beget. And the one who does not have any equal to him. And one of the interesting things about these last sets of dua, this one is by the way narrated by Imam Abu Dawood 1493. The key thing here, all these hadith are authentic. The key thing here is nearly in every single dua, you see tawassul. Tawassul it's a misunderstood concept. It's the idea of making a, 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 a tawassul is what? Um, intercession. Yeah, intercession. Not intercession. Uh, is it tawassul? Yeah, not intercession. No, tawassul is um, when you are... Uh, uh, it's not intercession at all. Uh, it's uh, tawassul is when you... You, you know, uh, thingy, what do they call it in Arabic, man? When you're getting uh, help, where you been, Mormon man? Come on, speak to me. Uh, you, uh, you ask for yeah, in, in, in intervention. 
an intervention, someone to intervene for you. What did I call it again? Yeah, wasta. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Wasta. Yeah. So, what is that whole process of the wasta? That's only if it's your family, man. What if it's not family? Can you get nepotism on non-family members? Only to your family. Family, isn't it? You can't do it to some, someone who's not in family. How can that be nepotism? What's the point of the word nepotism then? Then it has to become favoritism. Yeah, it's got to be family. Anyway, anyway, uh, come on, someone give me a good pronunciation to us. I mean, huh? what? Right. So, um, Tawassul is when you seek the help of someone to get something. That's what Tawassul is. Okay? You're using... It's not what? Uh, so I, I'll explain. But what is Tawassul? It's using something... I, I want to try and understand, explain to you... Gener- well, it's not intercession. That's why I said to you. It's not intercession. Or it's another person interceding on your behalf. That's what Tawassul is. What is it then? Yes. So, so, that's what, exactly, but that's what they think. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Why do you think, why do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but that's his point. His point is not that the Prophet is going to ask for me. Exactly that. All right. So when we talk about tawassul, the immediate imagination goes to the haram part, right? Which is that people go to a grave and they ask the inhabitant of the grave that, listen, you know, uh, 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 or they ask by the virtue of the person who's in the grave or the virtue of the... Yeah, the virtue of, you know, by the virtue of the Prophet ﷺ because of his status or because of whatever. And listen, this is, this is an issue of aqidah and it's a big issue, but let me summarize it quite simply by saying that it is not permissible to make tawassul by the dead. But when a person's alive, it's allowed to do that. Okay? And even then, it's not sunnah. Even then, it's not sunnah. So, for example, someone is a pious man and you go to that person and you say, Ya Allah, yani by virtue of me knowing this person. Right? Or you're going up to that person and saying, yani, uh, uh, asking that person to ask for you. You mean the person's active involvement or not? Yeah. So let's keep, the, uh, let's keep involvement to a minimum. Right? Or no involvement. Just you, the point I'm making is that not going direct. That's the point. Because, because when a person has passed, their status is now not in your hands. Sinful, not sinful, what they are, what you can judge, what not, and so on and so forth. The issue is, as you said, it's not about them being responsive or not. It's about putting an intermediary in between. Yep, asking. 
Now my point is, is that tawassul in its dominant expression is something which is haram or negative. It takes a person away from tawheed, from directness, from, from relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We get that, okay? However, my point I want to make is that tawassul in of itself is not a problem when it's done properly. Making tawassul, for example, on your good deeds, by virtue of my good deeds, or by virtue of tawheed. You see that in these last three, four dua, it's tawassul, all of them. I ask you, بِأَنَّكَ أَنْتَ اللَّهِ or بِأَنَّكَ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّكَ أَنْتَ اللَّهِ so I ask you, Ya Allah, by virtue that I bear witness that you are Allah. My work and sacrifice that I've come to this decision to do Tawheed, by virtue of this great act, and it's the greatest of all acts, it's the single greatest act of ibadah possible, Tawheed. Because of that, I, I feel confident enough to ask you, give me this. This is you using something, right? This, this is what I call the permissible form of Tawassul. When you're depending upon Allah or your relationship with Allah or your own good deeds and so on and so forth. And what we've got to push people away from is to relying upon others and their status or, you know, alive or dead or whatever. That's the basic point. Yes, the Nasr. Sheikh, the point you mentioned about the office as well, obviously with the whistle, with those three people in the cave, they yes. mentioned about their own deeds. That's right. That's yeah, that's the religious Yani form, the Dini form that we understand, the famous hadith of the people in the cave. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think that's why a lot of dead people get involved. Like if I'm asking Allah to protect this town, I can tell Allah by virtue of the scholars in this town, by virtue of the great scholars who have lived in this town, what they've done in this town, the status of this town protect this town. Mm-hmm. And you hear this in some of the traditional dua. Yep. Get out of control. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in actual fact, not. Yeah, absolutely. Tawassul, by the way, let me say, is not an easy subject. It's not empty of evidences for both sides. And there have been scholars that accept Tawassul by the Prophet. It is the minority. It is no doubt the weaker position. It is not the position of the companions. However, there is enough there to, not, to say that if a person believed in that, they're not. You know, kafir log, yeah, and throw them out. This is yani within the scope of orthodoxy. It's not the the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, but it's understandable where it comes from. That doesn't justify it, but it's not as clear cut as people may think. Absolutely agree with what you said. Right. Anyway, those are uh, the uh, dua which are narrated. Let's now quickly finish off the all the associated matters. Then, yep, all the things that are linked to this. So, first of all. Uh, what should then a person uh, do? What should a person then do with respect to this position? Does he have to make dua by that which is in this position only or not? Answer at the bottom of page 204, Sheikh Uthameen says that yani The first priority should be for dua which have been narrated in this position like the 11-12 that I just mentioned now. If he's exhausted those or doesn't know any of those, but then uses a, a hadith, a dua that's narrated in hadith authentically from a different position, then that is allowed. But that comes secondary. You understand his point? So priority is given for authentic dua 
that have been narrated and revealed for this position, and in the absence of that, or secondary to that, he can then use authentic du'a that have been revealed at any position. That's the first point. The second point is, is the du'a that are to be narrated, that are to be used which are narrated, only to be on the, the, the type of du'a that should be used here, or can any du'a be used? So for example, the first discussion that we just had is whether it's been narrated about this position or another position. Now, we're going to assume that both of those du'a, what is, by the way, what do you think is the type of du'a that you make in this position before taslim? What is its subject? What's the subject of the du'a, usually? What's the commonality of the du'a? Protection of? Or, or, or its general area of life? The hereafter. Okay? The hereafter is the genus. If you're going to put it into categories, then all of the du'a that are used in this position before taslim are all to do with the hereafter. Is that clear? Now, if we have an authentic du'a for the hereafter that's only said at the beginning of the prayer, that's what the author is, is suggesting. That you only are allowed to use du'a which are about the hereafter. You should start off with du'a that are narrated authentically on the hereafter that are for this position. And then you are allowed to use authentic du'a that are about the hereafter from another position. That's a secondary thing. We want to question that. Is that the case? Does it have to be about the hereafter? Our argument is that no, it doesn't need to be about the hereafter. Yani for it to just be about yani, the, the uh, akhirah and not about the dunya would go against the principles of du'a. And Nabi Sallallahu said, let him ask whatever he wants from du'a. Why would a person in salah not just go absolutely one time for every du'a that they can think of? So in actual fact, I want to go further and say that even though it is a focus point, no doubt, that in this position when you are, you do focus on the Akhirah, you do focus on Jannah and uh, Annar, okay? That's definitely a focal point. Authentic narrated is, an, is, is a focal point. But once that goes, you can make dua for any uh, area, not just your... And Nabi Sallallahu said then that you should... Uh, the Hadith, he said, what did he say? He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did I have here? He said, Let one of you ask your Lord for every single need that he has, even his shoelace. Even for his shoelace. This hadith is narrated by Imam Tirmidhi. Hadith number 3604. Hadith is yani, not bad in terms of its authenticity. It has some discussion. It has some discussion. Okay, but it's okay. And um, meaning that this is not just about akhirah and reward and whatever. It comes for the menial, menial things. And not just the menial things, but the menial things in the dunya as well. So why are you restricting that which the Prophet ﷺ has opened the door to? Let you ask your Lord, let one of you ask your Lord every need that he has, even his shoelace. Why are you now saying only dunya uh, only akhirah or only no you're in salah best place to be you're doing an act of worship best possible you're in a place where the prophet said make as much dua as you can then you're telling me i can't make dua for everything that i can no we're saying that every dua that you can make you make and as i said a couple of weeks ago we will go all the way until someone says uh, can we make it in english and at that point we just say Toba and we just run and we'll say that's more than we can 
as a verb of our pay grade. Stay away from English or Urdu, just stick to the Arabic. Ideally, stick to that which is narrated and uh, authentically, and in the absence of that, then stick to that which is yani, good in terms of meaning. By the way, this is why the packs. What's their dua? Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab al nar. You see what I'm saying? Not everything that people do need to have a direct uh, hadith. You get my point? They understood what is meant to be said here. They said that the focus is the akhirah, and it's also allowed to view it from the dunya. So they said which ayah, which is an actual dua as well, could fit here. And it's a sick move, to be honest. You get what I'm saying? Yes, bro. Right. So, um, ah. Bengal is leaving masjid, yeah? Right now, yeah? Yeah. Do you even know the name of that masjid? That's why I know you're a blagger. There's no one that sent you any message. There's no one. Astaghfirullah. I'm telling you it's not. You racist Paki. Shah Jahan. Shah Jahan. There's never been a Bengali masjid called Shah Jahan. Shah Jahan is the Indian uh, woman. Isn't it? Yeah. What do you get Shah Jahan for? What do you know? Your knowledge of the Bengalis is rubbish. Astaghfirullah. Unbelievable. But it probably is probably Shah Jalal Masjid. It probably is. But it's not. I'm sure it's called like City Mile End Mosque or something. I do remember reading it from the guy. Who? He did. Edgeware Road. Edge. What you got to say now, you paggy? What are you closest to him? Slap him, yeah, honestly. <laughs> Edgeware Road Masjid. Okay, they're on their way out. Basically, Shazad is tired. It's one hour and one minute. Uh, he got, you know what it is? That's the problem. He got too much of a good thing last week. Okay, we'll call it. No problem. Are we calling it? No, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. All right, you know what? Let's at least get to this. I need the, the, the sleep. It's only one page. All right, what does he also say? So anyway, we've said you can say any dua that you want, yeah? And actually, I want to say to you that Sheikh Uthaymin himself, he says if you think about the fact that you can uh, just be yourself, Mesa, what are you getting involved for, right? The, if a person is focusing on the akhirah, uh, which we know, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said that let him make any dua even to his dunya. Shaykh Uthameen then says, so the correct position without any doubt, bila shak, is that he should make dua after tashahud for whatever he wants from the khair of the dunya wal-akhirah. And all of that is combined in the statement, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. You sick guy. فَإِنَّ هَذِهِ جَامِعَةٌ لِخَيْرِ الدُّنْيَ وَالْآخِرَةِ This is the perfect combination of all the khair of the dunya wal akhirah. So those packages, you keep on going. It's a good, good, good summary, yara. It takes time to get to the truth. Right. Next question is, هَلْ يَجُوزَ الدُّعَى Is it allowed to make dua for a specific person in the, in the dua? Um, yes, the answer is that you can. Because the Prophet ﷺ made dua for certain people and he also made dua against people. Allahumma shdud wata'ataka or wata'ataka ala al-mudar. Ala mudar. Allahumma anzil alayhim sinin Yusuf or sinin ka sinin Yusuf. 
So he really yani, attacked the people, the tribe of Mudar. He said that, oh Allah, make the situation incredibly difficult. Oh Allah, send upon them the years of the years of Yusuf, meaning famine. Oh Allah, anjil musta'afin wal mu'mineen. That's hadith Sahih al-Bukhari. Oh Allah, uh, save the, the, the weak from the, 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 the believers. So these are specific people. He made dua for different tribes as well. So it's allowed. Then Sheikh says, what about speaking in the more emotional type of dua? So you know, for example, I've, I've been promoting this a lot, yani, especially those who come to trips with us, okay? Because most of those trips are normally ibadah places where you make dua. So I've been telling people that you should speak to Allah and learn how to speak to Allah, you know, openly. And, you know, sometimes you have a conversation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's the, from the most powerful of dua. So we're used to that. You know, just like I just said, Allahumma inni as'aluka bi'annaka anta Allah. That's a very powerful dua. Oh Allah, I, I ask you by virtue of the fact that you are Allah. That's a direct, you know, you really feel that. So, the extension is, can you make dua for other people in the same way? So, for example, uh, I'll give you an example which is very common among students when they're reading. So, I'll be reading, like Sheikh Uthameen gives an example here, where he says, uh, for example, غفر الله لك يا شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية. Okay, may Allah forgive you, O Ibn Taymiyyah. So this might sound strange, but you know when you're reading and you read something that blows your mind, that is our expression. You know, Oh Allah give you Jannah, Ya Ibn Taymiyyah. Ya Oh Allah give you Jannah, Ya Uthaymin. Ya Allah give you Jannah, Ya Sheikh so on. So you you say it, right? The person's passed away. And it's like, you know, you just, they're blown your mind, you just read a point, you make dua for them there and then. So this is a common way. Is it permissible to do that in the prayer? Because if we're accepting this is a powerful form of dua, why not in the prayer? The reason why a number of scholars said that no, this invalidates your prayer, is because they said that this is a form of speech. And it is, isn't it? So a number of scholars, they said that this is a form of speech, and speech and it invalidates the prayer, so we know that. Sheikh Uthameen says, Fi nafsi yani, I'm not feeling comfortable with this kind of idea. He basically says that there's not a single person on the planet that when they're in their prayer and they make this dua, that they are visualizing that person in front of them and speaking to them directly as if they're there, which is what these scholars are saying, that when you say that, غفر الله, غفر الله فلان, that when you say that, may Allah forgive you so and so, that when you're in the prayer, you're saying it as if you're speaking. Your intention is, Oh Allah, forgive Ibn Taymiyyah. Oh Allah, you know what I'm saying? So Shaykh Uthameen says, that's what I believe. He says, that's what I believe. So the ones that said they validate, No, so they will say, they, uh, they, yeah, they, they would say, put it into the third person and you're safe. That's okay. And actually what Shaykh Uthameen says, I prefer that you do that as well to remove doubt. Because there is doubt in my heart. I don't feel comfortable with their istidlal, with the way they come to this. I think it's permissible. But you know what? Why get into that headache? When you're in the prayer, always speak in the third person. Don't speak in the direct. Yeah? Is there any exception to this? As-salamu alaykum, Right? In the same dua, we speak directly to the Prophet. So the Prophet is an exception and Allah is an exception. Allah is always an exception in dua. So in the prayer, the two exceptions are Allah and His Messenger. But otherwise, don't use the direct, only use the third person. And that, folks, you'll be delighted to hear, is the end of the lesson. And we'll now do questions from uh, anybody here and then online.
whilst we're doing online. Let's start opening these ones up. Yalla. Open it up, boys and girls. And uh, you guys don't, yani, uh, you get first dibs at these, but don't get greedy, okay? This is asal mal, okay? Farah, catch. Good job. All right. So send those round and then uh, thingy. These, I'm afraid that, yani, you know, people didn't really show the love that, that was needed. And I don't think they deserve that. I'll choose some khas people at the end. Right, come on, let's have some uh, questions, Lala. Asma, did you actually write on the portal? Did you just literally... Bro- she did, yeah? You lazy packy. Unbelievable. You're sitting right there and you took up our bandwidth. Bro, does it, did you see me look at it? But now, and does it give any benefit now? And if you had put your hand up and said, beseech, implore, petition, it would have helped, isn't it? Petition. I aspire to be healthy. Yeah, okay, well done. <laughs> Give her a blue Peter badge. Right. Oh, this is Asal Mad. Just one second, Lala. Man's are busy at the moment, okay? <laughs> Priorities. In terms of dua before saying salam, can we make whatever dua we want? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And forgive my. <laughs> yeah. Forget your in laws. Yeah. Carry on. All right, this is we'll go. Bismillah. Uh, with regards to Allah SWT saying, hmm. So talking about specifically. Oh, that is good. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> and I asked asking Allah SWT is commanding believer to ask for him for the people. Uh-huh. And then we have the dua, uh, the hadith you mentioned. You can ask anything from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even shoelace, for example. Yep. Uh, and in this position, ask whatever you want to Allah. So if you put them all together, even directing to a person in that period before the sleep, it shouldn't be a problem based on these three. No, because their point is not whether it's permissible or not, it's whether it's permissible in the prayer or not. What are the limits of dua in prayer? Like, for example, before Taslim. Because why is it that we can't say it in English? Why are you putting limits? There's got to be limits. And the limits are within the legal realities of the act of worship that you're in. Suleiman, stay, stay, stay behind. Um, so we need to be able to put it into, you know, the context of um, the limits of the prayer, the legal limits of the prayer. So that's not uh, that shows the permissibility, but we're not discussing the permissibility. You know, you can like in English in those places there's a flexibility because Allah said, ask Allah subhanahu wa whatever you want, like in Sajjah for example, because you're close to your Rabb. So that he did not say that's your opinion that's the opinion which is not held by that's the, the opinion general, general of that piece, like not, no I'm not, say, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying you don't have an argument because as you just said it doesn't say Arabic but there's a consensus of all scholars throughout history that only Arabic is to be said in the prayer Every time that someone has said that you can make du'a in XYZ language, they've only done it out of fatwa. As an exception to someone who has no idea how to. So then to extend it and then to say, put it into the sajda, put it, you know, good luck to the scholar who gives that fatwa. I'm not saying it's an invalid fatwa, but it's not the position of, of, of fiqh. Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. 
Give me an example. Give me an example. Allah, Because you felt that I've spoken. Yeah. Which is why, which is why they said it's invalidated. You now, you now know. So what Mu'min is saying is that you know, just from an Arabic point of view, it's clear that that's difficult to justify. <laughs> and again, that's why the majority of scholars did not allow this kind of du'a in the prayer. And even Sheikh Uthameen, who disagrees and says, well, I don't feel like that, even then he says, you know what, but it's best to avoid it because there's definitely an issue there. You know what I'm saying? So there's no doubt. Everybody's in agreement that it sounds off. Or off meaning it sounds like... No, no, no. I, 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 I can see the other side. Do you not say that when you are... Let me give you, let, 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 let me give you a different example. You know the idea about it's prohibited to recite Quran in the sajda. Those who allow it, why, what do they say? They say that I'm not, when I'm reciting Quran and the intention of reciting Quran and the honor of reciting Quran is a certain feeling. Yeah? And when I make a dua, it's a different kind of zone and a different intention. And it's a, so it's the, the prohibition was not referring to this intention. Agreed? So that's the same with the, the, the speaking. Just like Yanni, you see this as speaking. Because it is. I mean, that's about as speaking as it gets. But if that person isn't there, and not a chance of being there, or hearing this, and it's a way of you expressing dua for that person, I can, and that's my intention, then I can see the argument. Just like I can see the argument of those that allow the Quran to be said, So I can see it. But despite the fact that I can see it, as Sheikh Uthameen said, best to avoid it. Because it's clear that it is very close to normal speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you don't ask for things what outside of yeah I have to say yeah yeah but what you said which is uh, what Mormon basically said is that you know outside the prayer you might speak in this kind of informal way third first person way whatever but the yeah yeah even with dua whereas in the prayer you feel more formal right you give it it's weight. Now, you see this point here that you're making? This is something that I've spent my whole life making this point. And I've realized that it's more an emotional point than a legal one. Not that there's anything wrong in using an emotional point rather than a legal one in this. When we, like, you know, I'll give you an example. We struggle to make this point about... Hey, you've got to have a certain level of decorum in the prayer 
And that means don't be busting English in the end of the prayer. Right? Yeah, but Sheikh, you gave the fatwa that it's allowed to make dua in English in your sajda. I'm like, I didn't say that. I'll give it to you in your sunnah prayer. How can you give it to your sunnah? There's a difference in the weight of the obligatory prayer and the sunnah prayer as evidence from the actions of the Prophet ﷺ. So there's, first of all, there's a concept of weight and gravitas and seriousness. And there's a, dif- there's a concept of difference between. So definitely I want to establish that point that you've got to recognize that there's weight and seriousness. But at the same time, we can't make it the be-all and end-all. It's an emotional point rather than a legal one. But definitely we can educate people to, that take the prayer seriously. And we've got to, because like I said, this question wasn't being asked 20 years ago. Can I make dua in English? Right? Or 30 years ago. And, and, huh? No, <laughs> exactly. It would never be even entertained. And then we kind of started to entertain it in the sunnah about 10 years ago. And now people have given the fatwa, Sheikh Kehlan for example, he gave the fatwa to allow it in the obligatory prayer in sajda, in English or Urdu or whatever. And one of his rationales was that people don't even pray sunnah anymore. People are so rubbish that if we took away this one opportunity for them to make dua into, in their sajda obligatory, then, you know, if we took this away, they won't make dua at all. Because they've completely abandoned nafal. And sunnah, like a, a normal sunnah of the prayers, they do that only if they get watched by their parents or something. Yeah? So, it's like, you know, I've got to hold on to it. Now, the problem is, is that once you've opened that door, once you've opened that door, well, that's it now. Now it's, you know, can we, uh, I mean, this is also five, ten years ago now, but after these fatwas, is now why does the khutbah need to be a spoken thingy? It's far, far better to communicate the khutbah as a PowerPoint presentation. And it's true. It's, it, but it's true. Yani, you know, if, uh, if you're presenting a subject and you're giving a passionate speech and you can give takeaway points and whatever, whatnot, you, meaning now people are all about, well, it's all about what's most effective. And once you make their illa, the reason for all worship was what's more effective, you make it subjective. And once you make it subjective, then everybody's argument goes that I need to be able to connect to Allah in my own way. And I, you know, so it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. We've got to start closing doors. That's why I will never, ever entertain English or any other language in this part of the prayer. It's, it's, more than, it's, it's like, I think it stems because people don't know how to express themselves in Arabic. But this is idealistic. You know that. I know that. Yes, yes and no. No, no. Yes and no. What's, yani, we've got to be careful we don't, we don't go too extreme. What's, what's too extreme here? What do you think I'm going to say is too extreme? Too extreme is when you restrict dua to just Arabic. I know you're not. I know you're not. I know, that what, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's very important what you're saying. But we've got to be recognizing of the threat, the danger of making dua to be this, yani, something which is only uh, you know, unique to a certain group of people. 
and then crushing the hopes of everybody else that can't ever get there, and they genuinely can't, while slapping these lazy packies and saying that you've got to put some effort in. And start learning and start whatever. So it's a very delicate situation, this. And we've been spending a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, because because the Arabic is your first is your is your mother tongue, and because you've been brought up upon that, and you've seen the difference between colloquial Arabic and actual Quranic Arabic, you're going to have an extra interest in this. And because I have not, and I understand exactly what it's like to not know Arabic and want to call upon Allah in something that I'm finding difficult to speak in, so then I'm biased as well. And we've got to meet somewhere in the middle. What is that somewhere in the middle? That the key acts of worship are moments that have restrictions that are legal. They have to be met with that legal reality, with the gravitas that it deserves. So don't chat in your prayer. Learn the Arabic, whatever. At the same time, know that your most powerful du'a will come from your heart or a natural tongue. And when you've got the opportunity to use that, then use it. Like outside of the prayer or in your sajda or before you're going to sleep or whatever. And that's the medium that we've got to bring people to. Lift up those from there. And to make sure that people don't make this some exclusive club. And bring them down the to an understanding that keep the level of Arabic and Sunnah Arabic and Hadith narrated Arabic dua in places that need it to be. But don't make it yani, the be all and end all for every dua. So it's a missing position. Um, did the Prophet ever make a dua in congregation? Yes, he did. Number of circumstances. Number. In istisqa, when people have passed away, when there was a nazila all over Bukhari and Muslim. Mesa, these are in Hisnul Muslim. My one is the Arabic version that I was reading from, but in, uh, it is actually in the section of Hisnul Muslim, uh, Fortress of the Believer, or whatever it's called. Um, so we cannot use any other dua from Quran or Hadith in this position. No, you can. Who do you find, <laughs> Who do you find more difficult to converse with? Brailbees or Liverpool fans? <laughs> That's excellent. That's Shut up. How many kilos did you buy, Hasib? Eight kilos. Did you think of chucking one in amongst the masses? We haven't had any, any, any yet. You're not good for you. Give that to my boy over there because Kamiani needs some. The guy's been flagging. Listen, Lala. What about all this lot here? Hello. Right. Auntie Shaquille is saying. By the way, this is, this, this is Auntie Shaquille, isn't it? Auntie Shaquille, can you confirm? Because I don't know of any other Shaquille Ali other than Auntie Shaquille Ali that we met in China. Or Uzbekistan, sorry. Um, Muslim Pro is a good app. Look, it's got all that in it. Muslim Pro. Yep, that sounds good. Waqf is not there yet. You are allowed to ask questions. Nahid is saying as a Muslim living in the UK, where we pay all the taxes due, 
What are you doing, Lala? What are you doing? <laughs> As a Muslim living in the UK where we pay all the taxes due, is the zakat due on top of that? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's not for you. You're on a diet. Stop looking at that. Like, you know what? That's going back on. This I'm going to give out to people yani, who engage properly in this class, want to sleep. I'll make that decision afterwards. That's proper asl man, that is. Bro, I'm not even joking. That's serious behavior. Let's do anything worthwhile for the, for the interest of the... Don't be silly, bro. That's, that's our yani, hiding girl over there. Right, okay. Sana. Right. Wasila. Arif, uh, yeah, okay, that's all done. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, wait, so with regards to leaving someone on the life support machine, you said your position is to check with doctors. Uh, yep. What did you make of Trenton McKinley, Alabama Miracle Boy, wakes before doctors pull plug? Good on him. What else? Are... <laughs> what do you want me to make of him? He woke up before the doctors pulled the plug. He smashed it. He proper smashed it. Because I swear I'll be turning that thing off, bro. And say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. I'm sorry, Dian, this is not stuff to joke about, by the way, because, you know what I mean, that could be someone's kid here. But I'm just going to say that I would pull out the plug. Bro, I'm not keeping... Listen, let me make it clear. I'm not talking about pulling the plug on someone who's been on it one day. But I'm saying this idea that, you know what, man's going to be there for the next six months, or two years, or ten, ten years, costing God knows only ten grand a day, or whatever it is. How much is it per day? Ten grand a day? Ten grand a bloody day! And what for? I know this is going to get me in trouble, but what for? Someone who's literally a vegetable. Let them go! What do you want to hear anyway? But it's easy to say, bro, when it's not your own. Yara. I don't know what to say, man. May Allah make me strong when it happens to me as well. That's the only thing. Harris, I'm not going to answer that question just because of the, how much my eyes have, are hurting from reading shik and nepatism. Okay, so how dare you, Yanni? Just literally, that's just, my, my head hurts. Literally, Yanni, I, you know. You know, we had, a, we, had a, we had an Aqsa telegram group, have one, and Farah uh, is a school teacher on it. Zabakhir. May Allah bless her. Yani she went through correcting yani, all the people's statements. It was driving me nuts. You know, people using small letters. and thing. I feel sick yani, when I see that. You know, it makes me dizzy. Feel, what the hell was that? Nepatism. Nepatism. With an A. Right. Come on, Lana, go, 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 thank you. Right. Is the dua at the end of the prayer has to be recited? Yes, has to be recited, Majid. Has to be. Everything in the prayer has to be recited, articulated, okay? We covered it about five, six months ago. If one has a need but not the Arabic vocab to express it, can one take a moment to ask with the heart only? Yes, because the heart and what it speaks does not invalidate the prayer. But the dua is an act of worship and everything that you add to an act of worship that makes it more effort, more real, you get more reward for it. So even, I want you to know, that as a bare minimum, a du'a said from your heart is accepted. It's accepted. But if you want it to be proper accepted, then it should be done with the tongue, articulated, Arabic if possible, 
that which is narrated if possible, in the best times if possible. And I've spoken so much about this issue, man, so much. Heart only or... What the heck? <laughs> My goodness, Solange. My goodness. Uh, I understood from last week that du'a in English in sajda in obligatory is okay as a class opinion. Now, Um Abdul Hay, I said that in the obligatory prayer, I'm okay to give it as a fatwa for those people yani, who really desperately need it. I don't like that. I don't do it. But in the sunnah prayer, absolutely no problem. Okay? Um, and how about the various Arabic dialects and slang which most people speak and can use to make the du'a from the heart as opposed to memorize fusha du'a? So that's not a problem, but in salah, we can't be doing that kind of behavior. We should avoid it in salah. Uh, what about the hajjud prayers? Are we allowed to pray in sujood? Yes, we are. Without speaking out aloud, yes, you are, but it is not as effective as speaking with. Uh, with. It is Auntie Shaquille. Yes, bro. Yes, bro. MashaAllah. Auntie, it's good to hear from you, man. Good to hear from you. Right. <laughs> Have you read that one, bro? Have you, can you see the screen? <laughs> you know what I mean? It should be a lazy pack, it would seem. Right. And nameless, yeah, and he's just gone straight for it. Nameless is like, you know what I mean? Like, alright. Nameless is like, there's so much fun in this world. That even many adults are struggling to keep away from sin and complete their fara'id. In this climate, it is, is it selfish to have your own children when you have serious concerns about the iman before they are even conceived? Yeah. Nameless, like, nameless is like, you know what I mean? Nameless. Get your name on, and then we might answer this next week. What is that? That's a whole class that is. All right. Um, uh, Alhamdulillah, Shakir, Auntie Shakila, we are very happy to have you. Very happy to have you. Right, we are doing an event on Last Testament on the 15th and the 16th. Okay, so the 15th is in Manchester, evening, 7.30. It's one hour long each time. Uh, yeah, Friday the 15th of November, 7.30, and bang on start. And then in London on Saturday on the 16th and the atrium. Uh, just keep an eye on... Um, keep an eye on everything basically The adverts will go out In the EIC 15th of November EIC And then London yeah, at the atrium on the 16th Okay guys My goodness 1 hour 30 I told you guys That if we're going to go after Isha You have to hold me back like I'm a stallion That's enough Was that Was that